We are thankful for your presence tonight. Appreciate the songs that, that uh, we've been led in and uh, the thoughts behind those songs and the strength that they give us just to sing those words and to have the, the uh, uh, just think about the meaning of those songs. Uh, I, I want to begin tonight by reading 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, verses 1 through 5. 1 Corinthians 10, verses 1 through 5. Now, I, I think it's interesting that Paul's writing to the Christians at uh, Corinth, and there are a number of things about which he wants to correct and instruct and encourage them. And I think it's also interesting to notice that he goes back 1,400 years to the Israelites fleeing from Egypt. Now, the, 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 uh, the text, Exodus 14, 15, and 16, uh, if you're doing the daily Bible reading, uh, those are the uh, chapters we, we have read this weekend. But uh, Paul, again, Paul goes back 1,400 years to the Israelites fleeing from Egypt, and he wants now, he wants the Christians in Corinth to learn some lessons from some of the mistakes the Israelites made when they get away from Egypt and Pharaoh and their, uh, and their slavery in Egypt. 1 Corinthians 10, verses 1 through 5. I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, all ate the same spiritual food, all, ate, all drank the same spiritual drink, for they were drinking from a spiritual rock which followed them, and the rock was Christ. Now, I think what Paul is doing there, at least partially, he, he wants them to see that uh, those Israelites coming out of Egypt, they all had the same advantage. They all had the same spiritual blessing. They, they all were a part of this whole thing, watching God work in their lives in, in delivering them from Egypt. But look at verse 5. He says, Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not well pleased, for they were laid low in the wilderness. We, we watched that first generation of Israelites coming out of Egypt, and we watched them. Uh, uh, God does amazing things with them. They experience firsthand uh, God's uh, bringing them across the sea on, on dry ground. Uh, even before that, the ten plagues in Egypt, and then uh, they're uh, again crossing the Red Sea on dry ground. Other things, they see this firsthand, and they, they don't ever seem to really trust God. They, they keep doubting Him. Verse, verse, uh, look down at verse 11 of 1 Corinthians 10. These things, and here's, here's Paul's point to the Christians in Corinth. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. In, in other words, uh, the Israelites were not just making history. Uh, Paul is saying they, they made his, they're made history for our benefit. And it, I get he's talking to the Christians in Corinth, but the, the, the same thing would apply to us. The Israelites made history for us. Uh, they, uh, they are a, actually a warning for us. And Paul is saying you pay attention to the lesson. Now, 
It, it is a fact, and, and I, I think it's, it's interesting, just crossing the Red Sea, it's not long after that they're headed into the wilderness. And it appears to me that uh, wilderness really means the wilderness. There was not anything out there. And uh, they, they just seem to be grumbling every step of the way. And uh, I, I think it's important there are lessons in that for us, obviously. God sometimes leads us into the wilderness just to keep us trusting him. What God wants, what God wanted from them is that they would trust him regardless of what was going on in their lives. That's what God wants with us. Gary Henry made a, uh, a comment in one of his recent lessons. Uh, Faith and spiritual maturity grow best in barren places. It, it's, it's when we are in difficult times and learning to, to trust God, that's when faith and spiritual maturity grow. But, but look what happened to Israel. They, they crossed the Red Sea on dry ground. Now they actually experienced this. They, they see the sea before them. They see uh, uh, Moses hold the rod out and the sea parts. They walk across on dry ground. And then they watch as uh, Pharaoh and all of his armies are, are drowned in the sea. They, they witness uh, personally God's providential care in their lives. And, and uh, in, in Exodus 15, they praise him loudly. Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and horsemen went into the sea, and the Lord brought the waters of the sea back over them. But the Israelites walked through the sea on dry ground. Now, it's, it's then, in, in Exodus 15, 22, uh, the text says, Then Moses leads Israel from the Red Sea out into the wilderness of Shur. And, and again, I get a picture that this is really wilderness. There's not anything out there. And uh, uh, they're, they're following the cloud, pillar of cloud by day, pillar of fire by night. They're following God. And, and they go from this Red Sea experience to the wilderness. Now, just, just thinking about crossing the Red Sea, they have to know that God can take care of any circumstance in their lives. But now what, what's happening is they're going from abundance to nothing uh, out in the wilderness. And it's, it's three days later, 30 miles later, uh, th there's no water. And obviously that's a serious concern for two million people. Uh, and, and then they come across uh, water at Mara, but uh, the water's bitter. And uh, they can't drink the water there. Well, God solves that problem. They're, they're complaining about that. Now, again, they've just crossed the Red Sea. God brought them across on dry ground. And, and they, they need a drink of water. They need water. And God ends up providing there. And uh, the... the uh, uh, their, their response in that is they grumbled at Moses saying, what, what are we going to drink? Exodus 15, 24. And now, again, picture this. In three days, they go from seeing God as their great deliverer to murmuring about his lack of care for them. Uh, again, what God, God is testing them every step of the way. They, they've just been singing. The Lord is my strength and song. He's become my salvation. 
This is my God, and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will extol him, Exodus 15, 2. Now, I, I can't help but think, is that a picture of my life? And sadly, I have to look back, and I can see. At, uh, there have been times in my life when I've been just like them. But now, j just, just think about the last time you were overwhelmed by God's care for you and those that you love. And, and there, all of us are blessed by God every day. Uh, some may be more than others, but there have been some that have truly been blessed uh, just by being a part of God's family. And uh, uh, if, if, if just again, just think of the last time you just uh, recognized God took care of that problem for me. And it may be from lessons learned from personal Bible study, or it may be from, from uh, uh, events in your life. You, none of us have been through the Red Sea experience or anything like that. But then... The word then, from the Red Sea into the wilderness and the ordinary daily difficulties of life weary us and drag us down. I'm, I'm stuck in traffic. I'm, I'm starving. I hadn't eaten all day. Sick children, no children, rebellious children, job, relationships, finances, school, health issues. Now, the Israelites needed a drink of water. And instead of them looking back to God bringing them across the Red Sea on dry ground and God blessing them every step of the way, instead of them looking back there, they look back to Egypt, to the melons and onions and cucumbers and leeks and garlic back in Egypt. And uh, they're wishing that they were back there. That, that, that is a tragedy. Now, but, but now again, it's so easy to forget the fact that God has brought us this far. I love that statement by Samuel, 1 Samuel 7 and verse 12. God has brought us this far. In other words, he's blessed us abundantly. And from that, we can conclude he will continue to provide for us. Uh, when Moses cried out to the Lord at Marah, uh, where the water was bitter. God provided a tree branch to sweeten the water. But, but even better than that, just over the next hill was an oasis called Elam, where God had an abundance of water just waiting for them. Now, if, if they had just remembered the things God had already done for them just recently, they would have trusted him to provide in his time and in his way. But, again, it's not long before another problem arises and they have the same response. It's, it's uh, uh, complaining. And uh, they're somewhere between Elam and Mount Sinai at the time. And, and with most of them, again, 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 5, with most of them, God was not pleased. This, the, most of this generation never made it to the promised land. Now, let me, let me, uh, let me re read, uh, and this is sort of a setting here. It gives us the setting. But Ex Exodus 16, verses 1 through 4. They set out from Elam, and all the congregation of the sons of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month. Now, they're not, they're not long out of Egypt. 15th day of the second month after their departure from the land of Egypt. 
the whole congregation of the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The sons of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the pots of meat, when we ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them whether or not they will walk in my instruction. Now, it's interesting to me just to see that that's what God wants to do. He doesn't just want to provide. He's going to provide for them. But he wants them to see that they, that they can trust him, that, that they can do what he wants them to do, no matter what the circumstances in their life might be. That uh, 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 they, they, just, they, they need to learn that lesson. Now, uh, again, when they complained, they were forgetting important things about God. Uh, his ten mighty blows against Egypt, the ten plagues, his parting of the Red Sea, sweetening the water at Mara, and the abundant supply of water at Elam. And it reminds me of a statement that Paul makes in Romans 8 and verse 32 for, for, for me. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? We, we, we need to learn the same lessons. Uh, uh, there, there are fundamental things about God and his provision for us that, that we have to keep ever before us when, problem, when we're confronted with problems. Now, in trial... Even the way God provides teaches us. Uh, in, in other words, God graciously sent the manna, but notice what Moses said about this day. Now this, was, this would have been 40 years later when that first generation had all died away. The new generation now is getting ready under the leadership of Joshua to go into the promised land. And they, again, they're ready to go into the land of Canaan. And God had a purpose, and Moses wants the, this group to understand that God had a purpose even in the way that he provided the manna. In, in other words, he had a lesson for them to learn. And Moses spoke to the people, and he said in Deuteronomy 8 and verse 3, The Lord humbled you and let you be hungry and fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. Our, our life is in God's hands. Our life is not in our physical circumstances. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. He wanted them to see that just having plenty of bread stored up was not what sustains life. Uh, life is more basic than that. In other words, we need God. We are totally dependent on God. Now, have you ever wondered, and you may be ahead of me here, but have you ever wondered how manna from heaven could teach them lessons like that? Could teach them uh, how to, tr uh, or why they needed to trust in God. Now, you, you think about how the bread was provided. First of all, it, it appeared each day in the morning. 
And then secondly, they were to gather it for that day only. And third, along with that, they were not to save any for the next day. They, they, they were not to stockpile any food. And then fourth, on the sixth day, they were to gather twice as much for the Sabbath day. And finally, none, they were to gather, they, they weren't to go out on the Sabbath day. None on the seventh day, which was the Sabbath day. Now, think about how that taught dependence on God. And here, here are just some questions to think about. Why was manna there each day, six days a week? Why was it there? The word of God. God promised that. And, and he provided them that for 40 years, verse 35 tells us. Another question, why would it spoil if it was kept overnight? Well, God said, don't keep it overnight. And those who tried it had uh, ended up with a rotten, stinking mess. And, and here's another question. What made it all right to save it over on the sixth day? Again, God's word. God commanded them to do that. They were to save it up for the seventh day. And then finally, why would it be there every day except the, sev except the seventh day, except the Sabbath day? God said it. And the seventh day was a day of rest. Now, the children of God at that time would never have a better chance to learn the lesson that God intended. The way he provided the manna taught them to depend on him. In other words, it's not bread that sustains a man's life. It's every word from God. Now, I, I think uh, uh, what's important in all of that this is an essential lesson for the child of God. It's an essential lesson for us today. Dependence on God in every circumstance of life. We go through all different kinds of things. And some end up in more tragic circumstances than others. But in, in all of that, day by day, as we, as we see what God does for us, we can, we can know that God is going to provide for us. Israel could, would see times when there was no water. Uh, they, there, there would be times when there was no bread. Uh, there'd be times when there was not something else that maybe they needed. But God would always provide in his own way and in his own time. Now again with the manna, God was teaching his children to depend completely on him. So day by day, he sent them bread, just enough for the day to teach them that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Again, Deuteronomy 8, 3. Now, now look, looking in, into the New Testament, Jesus illustrates that lesson in Matthew 4, 1 through 4, when he's tempted by the devil. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you're the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered, and he said, and he quotes Deuteronomy 8, 3. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. 
Now, now j just think of how similar the situation of Jesus is with that of the Israelites. Now, the, the Israelites were taken out into the wilderness. Jesus is led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Uh, uh, the Israelites uh, were without uh, water. They were without food. Jesus fasted 40 days and nights. He is hungry. There's no bread. And both were tempted by Satan. Now, you think about Satan's temptation. Uh, why, why not turn stones to bread? I mean, you're, you're hungry. And what he's, he's trying to get Jesus to think that he cannot make it without bread. Have you ever felt that way? I just can't make it without something. And he, he wants to get Jesus to think he can't make it without, you're going to die. Don't trust in God. Take things into your own hands. You've got to have bread to live, you know. And it's all about how you feel. You're hungry, so turn these stones into bread. Now, what's important about this, this event is Jesus knew the truth. He knew that God led him here for a purpose. He fully trusted his Father. He knew the truth about bread. And he quoted, again, Deuteronomy 8, 3. It's written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And the point is, Jesus knew that God, not bread, sustains a man's life. And Jesus totally depended on his Father. Now, you, you think of Jesus in, in Matthew 4. Uh, he is, he's tempted to turn stones to bread. What is it that Jesus understood that Israel failed to understand? Well, Jesus understood that his life was in God's hands, not in his physical circumstances. And the reason for the wilderness and the reason for Israel's hunger was to show them that God would take care of them. The people could not have, have taken care of themselves, not out in this wilderness. No matter how hard they might have worked, they could not take care of themselves. And God was going to provide for them. Jesus had victory over temptation because he knew that his life was in God's hands, not by bread alone. Uh, I think it's interesting, too, in Luke 12... Jesus tells the story of a rich man who had so much that uh, he's going to have to tear down his old barns and build bigger barns. And uh, obviously he didn't have any bread problems. And the fact is he had so much bread that he says to himself, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink, be merry. Verse 19. And his, his problem was that's where his trust was. That's where, he, that's where his confidence was. That's where he thought his life was. He thought, he thought that all he needed was his stockpile of bread, and that meant security for him. Well, God said to him, you fool. And he said, this very night, your soul is required of you, and now who will own what you've prepared? Verse 20. Now, now uh, what he really needed, again, was trust in God that, that he didn't have. Now, Jesus was saying the same thing in the Sermon on the Mount. Do not worry then, saying, what, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Matthew 6, 31, 32. Now, 
uh, Moses' point in Deuteronomy 8 and verse 3 is that God fed you with manna that he might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone, but by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Moses was preparing the people for life in the promised land. I mean, they're going to the land of Canaan. Uh, this is a land flowing with milk and honey. It's not going to be like the wilderness. This will be a prosperous land. It'll be a land where you will eat food without scarcity, uh, in which you won't lack anything, Deuteronomy 8 and verse 9. Now, this is Moses 40 years after that first bunch crossed the, the uh, uh, Red Sea. And it, he's, he's talking about getting them ready to go into the promised land. And, and in fact, it's going to be very different from the wilderness. It'll be different from the wilderness where God was testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you'd keep his commandments or not. It's going to be different from the wilderness where God gave you just enough each day when the Lord your God was disciplining you just as a man disciplines his son. It's, it's going to be different from the wilderness where you had the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night to guide you. In other words, the wilderness, in the wilderness, it was obvious that you had to depend on God each step of the way. And it was obvious that God was providing for them each step of the way. Now, what, I think what's important here is that what Moses wanted this new generation of Israelites to do was to remember the lesson of the wilderness. And that's what Paul wants the, Corinthian, the Christians in Corinth to see as well. That the fact is that they would be just as dependent on God in the land of Canaan as they had been in the wilderness, but it'll not be easy to see it. It'll not be easy to see it because there's going to be an abundance in the land of Canaan. With, with great prosperity, with grain in the barn, bank accounts, insurance policies, it'll be easy for us to begin to think that our security is in our bread. It'll be easy for us to think that we have done all this on our own. We've lifted ourselves up by our own bootstraps. Again, he is saying, beware that you do not forget the Lord your God. Deuteronomy 8 and verse 11. Now let me just, let me just wind up in this way. We, we live in a land of plenty. It's obvious that we, we see that. We know that. But the lesson of the wilderness is an essential lesson for us as Christians to learn today. Uh, it's, it is in hard times, uh, the, the times when we're made painfully aware of our own helplessness that we learn to depend on God. Uh, in times of prosperity, money in the bank, insurance, stocks and bonds, it's easy to forget that God is supplying our needs. For that reason, God is not only in the business of putting us through the Red Sea, salvation in Christ, he is also in the business of developing spiritual babies into strong, mature, full-grown Christians by taking us on a trip through the wilderness. Let us then learn well the lesson of the wilderness. Deuteronomy 8.3, God humbled you and let you be hungry and fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you understand that man does not live on bread alone, 
but man lives by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Those are lessons that we need to learn in, in our lives. Uh, think about those things. Uh, think about as, as we close, we're going to sing a song uh, to invite you to come to the Lord. If you're not, if you're not a Christian, uh, think about how important that is in your life. Think about how important it is to make God the, the, the one who rules your life. Uh, if you are a Christian and you have fallen away or you need to, to, to turn from something or you need the prayers of the church,